When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. Hello once again, good people. It is time to sit courtside with Christy and Gabe on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. Oh my goodness, Gabe. Man, hey, listen. There is the WNBA draft on the horizon. And I am so glad to be able to sit here and break things down with you, my friend, Gabe Ibrahim, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot. So I remember, I, I don't know if we taught like right after the national championship, it was like, oh, you know, like we're going to have like, you know, a quiet like 10 days or like a week or so <laughs> to like, you know, catch our breath. And it's like, no, no. WNBA jerseys, <laughs> schedule, draft, training camp, season, start, go, go, go. So we have not caught our breaths. Uh, and it's amazing Sorry. because it's all women's basketball. And I think, you know, we've been doing – there's just been so much and like, I've been trying to watch as much tape as possible. And it's like, it, it, what we know is what we know. So I'm rolling with it now and we'll see. Um, I think the danger now, and let me know if you agree, like, isn't the yeah. danger now for coaches and scouts, like doing too much. Like, I feel like at this point you should have yeah. things set. Like we're ready to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I've listened in on, you know, the great conference calls that the WNBA has set up, uh, you know, they had um, Greg Bibb on there, Shell Reeve, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's just interesting to see what these coaches and GMs actually look for in the draft. And obviously, you know, and when people were asking about that, they were saying, well, you know, it's obviously going to be the best fit and what we need for the team. But, 
I thought the most intriguing part of that was we need people with a motor. I mean, Marianne Stanley was on there as well. And she was like, we need winner's mentality. So it's almost like, yes, we want the position to fit what we need, but it's also the mentality of the player Mm -hmm. in that position that, that really will matter the most. And I think that's great for young people to hear that. You know, uh, yes, you can get me a bucket. Yes, you may be able to get me a stop, but how is your attitude? <laughs> and I think that is the match that these coaches and GMs are are most looking for. And, you know, there's so many great players. And, you know, obviously with just the 12 teams that we discussed this before as well, just, you know, 144 spots. And I think when you have, you know, really 137 I mean, it's it's really not 144 when you break things down all the way with contracts and all of that. Um, You know, it's really tough to make a roster. It's really tough, but that shouldn't discourage these fantastically talented young women who are trying to make their way to the league. So I just think there, there's a lot to be said on both sides that you have these kids who are, are trying to stick on these rosters, not just get drafted, but to make a team. And then you have the GMs and coaches who are, are looking for quality uh, in terms of skill set, but most importantly, quality as character stands. And I think that's going to be really interesting to watch and see how that unfolds as well. And, you know, I just I, may, maybe I haven't heard the right people, but like <laughs> I haven't heard them make questions about motor, at least in these top, you know, there, there's a pretty well-defined like top, 12 or 13 um, player pool. Like the, the first round for the most part, like there's like yeah. 15 players buying for it, at least from the outside looking in, obviously things can change. If Mike Tebow is in this draft, you know, someone outside of this group is <laughs> being taken, but he's, he's not. So um, right. the, which is crazy. Yeah, the, the mystics have no, <laughs> no picks. Pick. So no, no pick. don't worry about uh, coach Tebow messing up your mock drafts. Um, right. But I, I think like there hasn't been many questions about motor in this group of players. Cause they're just so because of how mature they are, how much we've seen from yeah. them. Yeah. We know that they all like really, really work hard. And I think that's, you know, such a huge uh, part of draft. If you don't have to worry so much about, you know, is this player going to have a motor? Is this player going to be able to do all the things we asked of her? That's huge for a team. And like you said, I think that's what they're looking yeah. for. I think, it doesn't make this year. It doesn't make the the choice much easier. Like right. all these players have great motors, so I'm glad we're in that space this year. And I hope I hope we continue there. But yeah, you know, I think um, what's interesting in this draft is a few things. Like Dallas has a bunch of picks that they they, they, they probably need to trade one. Yeah. Um, the Mystics have no picks, so are they coming back into the draft? Are you know we have. We have interesting, like, t- players that are grouped together, like Ariel Griantas and Renai Davis. Like, those two, like, it's kind of like a matter of preference of which one you'd rather have. Dana Evans yeah. and Ari McDonald, same thing. Um, so, I guess where I want to go with this is, like, the Her Hoop Stats did a mock draft. It's the last podcast. Yeah. If you have not if you have not listened to it, go ahead and listen to it. Um, right. But we're, I want to break that down with you. Because I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was really interesting how it went down because it was very different than other mock drafts because we had mm-hmm. basically one person picking for each team. So at the top, Dallas took Awak Kuyir, who I'm pretty sure I said her name right. She's from Finland. <laughs> uh, she's actually she's actually South Sudanese. She just play, she lives in Finland. Lives um, there, yeah. 
Uh, and her, her family moved there, I believe, when she was younger. But right. so she goes first. And do you, did you, how much do you know about her? Because I hadn't, I didn't know that much about her until I started watching tape to put some videos together for Twitter. Yeah. I, you know, I've just been researching the same way, like you just said, just online. Uh, I mean, she's 6'5, but she can stretch the floor. And, and the thing about her ability is that, you know, we were just talking about motor. Like, she is so strong on the defensive side. And I think, you know, yes, she's going to bring versatility on offense. But I think with her length at 6'5", I mean, she's going to be disruptive defensively, too. And she has great foot speed. I think that is something that that is um, an upside for her as well. And I just think that she, you know, she has, like, the the ability to to be that kind of hybrid player that that we've seen you know, in the past, obviously Lauren Jackson, and now you know with Della Don Parker, you know Misa Man, all these players that can do a lot of different things with being six four six five. I mean, I think she's going to be able to to fit that kind of a mold. And you know, I love the fact that you know they they list her as a power forward, but I think that could also mean point forward. I mean, I think she has um, great court awareness. I think she has the ability to make plays. You know, and not just scoring but to help her team score. And I, I really like what she has shown and the little pieces of, of clips that I've seen on her. So I'm, I'll, I'll go out on a limb here. I think she's the clear number one pick. Um, mm. The only reason I think she would not go number one is potentially like if she is like kind of ambivalent about coming over this season, then I could see Dallas saying, okay. Hey, like we're going to take someone else. Number one, just to like build up a hype train for them this year. And we'll take you number two. Cause they have the number one and number two picks. Yeah. Quite the yeah. luxury. Um, really? That's the only, to me, that's the only reason that I would not pick her number one. Mm-hmm. I'm not Greg Babe. I don't know what, what he is thinking, but to me, like, it's everything you said. She is a three level scorer, so she can, yeah. she can shoot the three. She uh, has shown mid range skills. She comes off picks. She can, she can also create her own shot. Like you're saying, so she can handle the ball. She could actually yeah. like, I've seen videos of her, like bringing the ball all the way up the court, throwing it behind her back. She kind of, it, I, she kind of looks like Natasha Howard to me. Like, I know you mentioned EDD, but to me, she's just like a, a little bit rangier. She's more, she's more length yeah. Um, yeah. than tall, but she's also like, she's six, four. She has so much yeah. upside, especially at yes. 19. Cause she's the youngest. I think she's, she's the youngest a baby. Person. Yeah. 19 years old, ready, mm-hmm. seem, seemingly ready to play in the WNBA. Now, I think when you're talking about European bigs, whether NBA or WNBA, outside of Lauren Jackson, um, <laughs> there's all there's like there's a chance there, there's kind of like the same criticism. I think applies here too. Is like she needs to add some muscle to yeah, to sure. bang down low. But yeah. I mean, at 19, like yeah, we we can do that. If she, if she's 19 years old, like we can do that. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, come on through. And I, and I think that that goes for everybody. I think, you know, we've seen it on, on the men's side, too. I mean, Michael Jordan, uh, you know, look at his body as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And then look at his body, you know, 10 years in. Uh, he had the muscles. He got in the weight room. And, you know, I think that that goes to across the board. You, everyone has to get more physical. Every level that you go up, whether it's high school to college or college to pro, your body has to be in great condition and you have to be strong for the rigors of that kind of, of competition. And I mean, even take it back to middle school to high school, like you gotta be ready. I mean, it's different Mm -hmm. in terms of the physicality. So, I mean, 
she's going to get that. And like you said, I mean, great point with her being 19. I mean, she's a baby in that regard. I mean, but she also knows that she has to get stronger. So, you know, you have to get stronger. You know, you're going to put the work in, you know, you're going to be in the weight room, you know, that that's going to help you. And, and the upside of that is, is scary, you know, um, that she's going to be stronger with the skill set that she possesses already. So um, I think it's gonna be fun to watch her. I think it's gonna be fun to watch and see, you know, how she evolves and how she makes the adjustment to the WNBA and, um, and the players around her, what that's going to look like and, and how she can continue to, um, to mature as a competitor. And what's interesting with her and Ileana Rupert, who I again, hope she's good. I I think I got it. I think I got it. Uh, Do you want to take a stab at her name? Nope. It, okay. <laughs> Wait, say it one more time and I'll do it. Say it one more time. Eliana Ruper. I got it. Eliana Ruper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There it is. I rolled Roll it. R I, and rolled I, rolled it. Ro- I rolled it. I, I rolled don't know it. if you do that in French. Regardless, she's also 19. I did it anyway. <laughs> she's she had a little bit bigger body, but I think the thing that's um, interesting with her and some Australian uh, prospects as well, Shiloh Hill, um, yeah. you, you have players who have played against professional talent. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to think like, well, what's how, how, what do you value as a team? Like when you're watching film, like, do you value someone who's played in, in a system that, you know, in, in a professional system, but perhaps does not right. have as much guidance from the coaching as a player like mm-hmm. Ariel Griantes, who went to Rutgers and she played for CV and Stringer, you know, that means, you know, what she has in her DNA straight from the yeah. coach. Whereas yep. in Europe, does it look because it's professional? There's a little bit less. Um, there's a little bit less coaching because they're professionals. And then, do you, but do you value the fact that she played against older competition versus the fact that there's more coaching? Like, where do you think yeah. the competition's better? Like, those are the kind of decisions that I wish I was like a fly on the wall or someone would actually <laughs> tell me because, like, you know, people will talk to you, but they won't. They won't. They'll they'll keep stuff close to the best. Yeah, of course, um, of course. But but, I think that'll be interesting, especially when we take Creer versus Collier, um, for example, mm-hmm. Charlie Collier from Texas, um, who went third in our mock draft. But do you think, it, just to just to go on that a little bit, who, yeah. who, I mean, I guess we know more about Collier because we have more data on her, but do you think, she, would you take Collier over Creer? I don't, I don't, I wouldn't. Um, and, and that's not a knock on her. Um, you know, I, I just think that, you know, the upside is, is most intriguing and, you know, I've never been a general manager, but if I were a general manager, I would, I would take that chance on, on her. And I think, you know, just, I hate to be so NBA, WNBA comparative, yeah. but, you know, I just watched that 1996 draft class oh, yeah. uh, documentary the other day. Right. And I was listening to what, the, the GMs were talking about when they were selecting those players and, you know, the upside of uh, a Kobe Bryant, you know, being young and how those college seniors fell mm. further down in the draft because of the upside of the youngsters. So that's kind of leaning me that way with this Collier comparison. And I, I, you know, and again, it's not a knock, just like it's not a knock on those seniors who were coming out in 96, but I just think the intrigue of, having these, these young kids, you know, yeah. um, making a splash on the professional scene. 
I think there's a lot to be said for the potential. And I think that that leads a lot of GMs that way. And, you know, you're talking about Arella Garantes as well. I mean, this is a kid. I mean, she's a senior, but at the same time, you know what she's going to bring, but does, you know, having these young players coming into the draft, does that bump her down? You know, just because of the, the potential of these 19 year olds who are, you know, looking like they have a, a bigger upside. Yeah. No, I, I wonder, I wonder what that means for repairs. Cause she's kind of been like in that early second round, late first round category, but I wonder if that bumps her up a little bit, just cause like, yes, it's, it's a two year age gap between 19 and 21, but that's still two years that you get exactly. to have a player and mold them that, and then have them, you know, reach their potential hopefully. But it, it it's in, especially for Dallas too, because they're, Dallas is the one team in the league. I think that really has asked, does not have the same aspirations in terms of making the play. Like they would love to make the playoffs and they may make the playoffs. They almost made the playoffs last year, but they don't need to make the playoffs because you have all these first round picks. You have so much more sorting to do. And you know, Enrique yeah. is, is your, is who you're building your, she's the rock you're building the franchise on her yeah. and, and Savoli. So you have yeah. those two already. So now it's just like filling it out. So I'm just, I think career to me just makes so much sense for Dallas um, just because of that, that sort of higher upside. Um, I think Aaron explained that really well um, yeah. in the, in the mock draft, but what do you think? So da- so then Aaron also had the second pick with Dallas, Aaron Barzla, <laughs> our fearless leader. Um, right. He took Renaya Davis, which I don't think I've seen in any other mock draft, her going second. Um, so we saw a lot of Renaya, great defensive <laughs> player, great yeah. rebounder, uh, you know, a, a little bit more up and down on offense, I think, especially against top competition. But what do you think yeah. of her going ahead of Collier and sort of like bucking this trend in mock drafts where it's Collier and Kuyir both going in the first two? Oh, man. I, and, you know, and I think during the college season, I was really high on, on Renaya Davis a couple of times. Mm-hmm. We were discussing, you know, how, how things were being broken down during the, the year. But you know, I think defense first, you know, and I think of Renaya Davis, um, not that she can't score. And what does she average? 18, something like that. 18 points a game. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'll season. pull up her. I'm going to go yeah, to actually our very top. fancy, our very fancy, uh, her hoop stats, WNBA draft prospect <laughs> stats page, which you can go and find on herhoopstats.com. It's only $20 for an entire year of amazing stats. But Love it. Christy, go go ahead. I'll get you her points per game in just a second. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, she has the ability to, to score it. But I think also, you know, with the way the league is trending with, you know, having three-point shooting ability, I think that's something that that is not as efficient in her offensive wheelhouse. But that doesn't mean that won't improve. Mm-hmm. I, I think she was uh, less than 30% shooter from three. But – uh, with that being said, I think she's going to be an invaluable piece to whoever selects her. But I think two is is pretty high um, for her. And again, no knock. So no. don't come don't come for me in the tweets and whatever. We're okay? talking about this top the, five WNBA my, draft picks. Like it's not. There's no shade going either way. Right. This is my personal opinion. Um, I just think that. You know, if if you're if you're in need of a complimentary mid-range to the rim scorer, um, also a, a staunch defender, I think Renaya Davis fits the bill. But I think 
you know, if she goes to Dallas, I'm just thinking what that picture would look like with the Sable and, mm-hmm. and Enrique Gumuale, what that would look like. And I think when you're looking at it that way, not necessarily where she like what order she's being drafted in, but where she would go. And I think Dallas, I mean, I think she would fit there. I mean, with the pieces around her that would be in place, I think it would be pretty intriguing to see. And they do need some defensive help on the perimeter. I think that would be interesting to see what that looks like. And I think in that regard, I think that's not a bad pick at two. No, and I, I think it were it, it would work out well because of that defensive versatility. Like she can she can guard both um, wing. She can guard everyone. She can guard one through five. Really, she's tall enough. Right. She's long enough. She's fast enough to govern to ca- guard all five positions. Um, she averaged, by the way, to put numbers to what you're saying. She yeah. averaged seventeen point three points per game, and I just lost her on my sheet. Uh, where is she? Wait, search functions. There it is. So. Uh, Renai Davis averaged yeah 17.3 points per game, shot 26% from three on 3.2 attempts Ooh. per game. So that's Ooh. not good. No, that's, not the threes. Okay. Yeah, not the threes. But she boards but, well, right? She boards well. She's one of the best rebounds. Yeah, 14% rebounding rate, 8.8 rebounds per game. Yeah, I mean, she's 6'2", so she gives you that that length, but she also has the ability to, to guard multiple positions. So you can, you know, get some switching done. Um, she has great feet in that regards. You know, we're talking about the defense, but I mean, if you can board and defend, I mean, and you have scores around you, I'm not mad at that at, at the, at the two going to Dallas. No. I, and the thing here is though, and I want to bring it back to Griantas who we've talked about, because I think yeah. this is the, this is a pressure point. Like I mentioned, like, do you want Griantis or do you want Davis? Like those are the two top wings. I mean, Onyewede and Dungy are both up there, but right. I think, you know, it's kind of been settled that Griantis and Davis are, are two top players. I think Davis get got the nod here because she's more defensive and hypothetically more off ball, but because she doesn't shoot the three that well, I think you're limiting then like what you can yeah. do with her because Agumbawala gets to the rim Sable gets to the rim. Like those are the two that you want with the ball in their hands for the most yeah. part. So everywhere else you want shooting. That's why Kuyer makes sense. That's why uh, Mabry makes sense. Like you want shooting all around them yeah. to, to yeah. create lanes. So if you have Davis in there as your number two pick, I think you're going to get a little, have a little spacing problem. Whereas Griantes to me, I think she is a, a severely underrated defender. Um, yeah, and you watch you watch her probably you watch her probably more than anybody. Like she mm-hmm. can shoot, so she's a thirty set. She shot thirty seven point eight percent from three this year. She mm-hmm. um she's in like the top 90, 90th percentile for both steals and blocks per games. And she played for C Vivian Stringer. There's not yeah. a player that has ever played for C Vivian Stringer who wasn't strong on defense. So to right. me, I think I would take Riantis just because. Okay, like maybe we'll have to sacrifice some of her scoring ability, but. I know she can play defense. I know she can shoot. And those two things are all I need for my, you know, third or fourth best player here. Yeah, no, I know. I love Arella. I think, you know, she's, first of all, uh, she's a leader, you yeah. know, and we were talking about the quality of character and not that the other kids don't possess it, but I've seen, like you said, I've seen her up close. I've heard how the coaches talk about her um, in terms of, you know, making dinner for the team, you know, having them all, um, come over and watch film. Like she is the ringleader 
when it comes to positive team building, when it comes to positive uh, chatter mm-hmm. within the team, um, you know, and, and that's what you need too. I mean, you want a player who's going to come in and, and do what she's supposed to do as a, as a team member. And the fact that she was a, a great leader at Rutgers, not just statistically, but just overall, I think that speaks volumes for her potential as well in WNBA. But I think, you know, you were talking about, yeah, her defensive qualities. You have to be on point with your defensive qualities if you're coming from a yeah. Rutgers program, period. And that's just a fact. And I think, you know, the only difference between Davis and Garantes is the size. I mean, Davis yeah. is a little taller, a little more lanky, um, a little more versatile on the defensive end. And that doesn't mean that that's better. That just means, I mean, I'm looking at it as a coach now. I mean, if I can plug you into more positions, then we could switch, you know, more spots, three, four, five, you know, with you because of your speed and your size, I, you know, that, that gives the edge there. And I think that's the only um, spot where you're going to give the edge is it's just in that kind of flexibility on the defensive end, not the Which fact a big that, deal. you know, she's, she's better, you know, defensively, but you know, you don't want to get to a point where you're you're switching and it's such a, a discrepancy in size that you're going to be exploited in that switch. So I just think that that's probably the only knock if there is one with Arella Garantes uh, against Davis in that comparison is just that she's a little smaller. Um, but I think offensively, I mean, she makes up for it with her ability to knock in the three. So it depends mm-hmm. on what you want, right? Do you want that length and versatility on defense or do you want a solid defender may not have the flexibility on the defensive switches and things, but you know, those cross matches, are you going to give that, that variable up and have someone who can stroke the three? (laughs) So, um, and can score the ball, you know, a little bit more efficiently from the outside and the way the metrics are looking in, in the game. I mean, the three ball is, is a valuable piece. I'll be able to hit that. You got to hit it. It's necessary. You got to be able to hit it. So it's just interesting. And again, it depends on, on, exactly what you want and exactly what you're able to sacrifice. So you're going to sacrifice size or you're going to sacrifice efficiency from three. Choose that. And, you know, these GMs have a tough job that way. Um, whatever, what gamble are you going to take? What What's that going to look like in the WNBA? Team Is it team length or team space? Um, that's you. really the question. And, you yes. know, actually, I just looked this up. I didn't know they have Arike Gumbawale listed at 5'8". Doesn't she play? She plays taller. I don't I, know if it's because she's know. so strong, but she plays taller than 5'8". She plays much taller than 5'8". I, you know. I, uh, and that, I, I they made, the they they made that may be a mistake. That may be a mistake, honestly. I, I think that's a little low for her. And I, I, you know, whatever. I think, you know, the last time I saw her in person was um, in D.C. in, uh, you know, a couple summers ago. Mm-hmm. But I was sitting down, so I can't... I, I can't quite recall like exactly, but I don't think she's five eight. I, I would give her. I was thinking more along five ten ish. Yeah, no, know? I thought I thought she That's I thought good. she was the same size as Griantos, who's listed at five eleven. It may a little bit yeah. shorter, but five, I didn't realize that uh, five eight because yeah. she plays she plays taller. Not that she you know, Eureka does amazing things. She's not necessarily the defensive. Uh, Stallworth on that team, then she doesn't have to be because she does everything else on offense. She does it. Yeah. See? Uh, so that's our, that's the first four picks of the mock draft that we just went through. Right. Kier went number one to Dallas. Davis went number two to Dallas. Collier went number three to Atlanta. Um, 
which I like there. And then Indiana took Riantis at four. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to circle back to Collier in Atlanta, actually, because yeah. I think Atlanta is taking a center, but I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think it's Collier. Um, uh-huh. But I do want to move on to Dallas's next pick because Dallas has all of the first round picks to have all of them. Uh, we have Dana. We have Dana Evans from Louisville going fifth, um, and then we had two wings, and we'll talk about them in a second. Uh, but then we had Ari McDonald going eighth to Chicago. I think that's. I mean, you never know how much teams are are going to pick for fit or just for like pure talent and what their evaluation is on that because that right. that matters. And I think most teams would probably tell you like we're looking for the best available player. Um, right. unless there's something that like, unless everyone's the same and then you could pick more for fit. Uh, but I think it makes sense that these two teams take guards. However, it's interesting that Evans went before McDonald. Um, and that may have been a function of heaven Hill who covers, who's covered Louisville for her hoop stats picking for Dallas there. But right. I just find like, I think I, I, I think most people after the tournament would probably go McDonald over Evans but for a lot of the season, it's been Evans over McDonald. So where do you fall on that between Dana um, Evans and Aaron? Yeah, I, I'm definitely going with Ari McDonald in that. Um, yeah. I know she's – and, I, you know, we are just talking about the the height, you know, situation. But, I don't know, they're both so tough. And that's, a, that's, that's tough to choose um, between the two of them. But I just think that – you just didn't see enough of Ari McDonald, you know, playing in the Pac-12, you know, on the West Coast. A lot of the East Coast people are asleep, you know, when they're yeah. playing. And, you know, listen, this kid has the championship DNA. And, you know, whether or not she makes that buzzer beater to win a national championship or not, I mean, most people would be afraid to take it. Um, so I just give her so much credit for you know, coming through the mud and making a name for herself in the tournament. Um, and even prior to that, you know, it just as they were about to head into the tournament, how she was saying, you know, this is my last time wearing an Arizona uniform. I mean, this is a prideful kid who has the loyalty of a warrior. I mean, she is, she is in it to win it. She's a great team player. She makes everybody around her better. And not that Dana Evans doesn't possess those things, but I just think, you know, the fact that Arizona was carried by Ari McDonald further in a tournament than Dana Evans carried Louisville. I think there's a lot to be said for that as well. And and not to say, you know, comparing their stats through the tournament or anything like that, which Ari was fantastic yeah. in the tournament. I just think that when you can massage and make your team better and get to the point where you are in the championship game, one possession away from winning it all. I don't know. I just think that that gives me a little more um, confidence in, in what they can bring to the table to my team. If I'm coaching in the WNBA or if I'm a GM in the WNBA, I mean, look at what she did. Yeah. Um, and she carried a heavy load and then she carried a heavy weight and, you know, it was seamless for her. And she wanted that mm-hmm. responsibility. Um, and Dana did too. But the fact that Ari wanted it and went further, I think that that just weighs heavy, more heavily for me. And, you know, there is a danger of overreacting to a tournament. For sure. However, yeah. 
those tournament games do matter more. Like we can talk all we want about the great regular season and we did podcasts on it and, you know, we talk, but when it comes to March, it's different. And those are the times you see players be who they really are. And, and Dana was great. We're not saying Dana wasn't great. Ari was just better than everyone. There there wasn't players better than Ari in the, in March this year. Um, Right. But to, to push back a little bit, um, area is two inches shorter. Not There's not a huge difference between 5'6 and 5'4. Right. Um, but I think when you – oh, cat man in parents. Um, I think when you – the other thing is that Dana is a much more proven three-point shooter than Aries. is. Uh, Dana mm-hmm. this year shot 35.3% on 67 three-point attempts per game last year, 43% on seven three-point attempts uh, per game, which is absurd. That's crazy. Harry this year topped out the center career high in three-point percentage at uh, 34.5% on uh, 6.3 attempts per game, which isn't bad. It isn't bad. But you look at the the other number that you have to look at when you're talking about three-point percentage when when you're going from college to pro – is the free throw percentage, and yeah. Evans is a much better free throw sh- shooter than Aaron McDonald. However, we saw in March that her McDonald is not the same player that she was throughout this season. She got better, right. and then in March she was shooting over forty percent from three. She was taking a ton of threes, and she was on fire. And people will go under her, and she made them pay. And that's yeah, all you need did. to see from a player like that. I think when you look at the defensive abilities. McDonald just brings so much to the table in being a lockdown defender of guards. Mm-hmm. Now, your so our whole thing was switching, and and yeah. um, it doesn't necessarily work with McDonald because she is five four, and she is going to have right. trouble with much bigger guards like a Natasha Cloud's going to Natasha Cloud's going to eat her alive. Like let's be real, like Natasha and the it's, it's a lot of people alive, but she's going to feast yeah. on on this um, assignment here because. Aries just so much smaller, but man, mm-hmm. the steal rate, the fact that she can just shut down certain guards, the fact that she can carry a team, I think to me is huge to go with the fit aspect though. Like it does kind of like for Dallas, I think it makes sense to take Evans because they're, they have a need for a three point shooter. Cause we were talking about spacing. She can switch yep. a little bit more. She provides a little something different. Um, than what they have. And I think she actually provides something that they need more, just a spot. She can shot, spot up three-point sheet better than McDonald can. But in Chicago, you look at the system that Chicago runs with Courtney Vandersloot, you kind of want an Aaron McDonald to have the ball in her hands who can punish people for going under, but really is a driver and can provide more defensive, a little bit more uh, on-ball defense than mm-hmm. perhaps Evans can. So I actually think it makes sense how it worked out in our mock draft. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I mean, you have a player in Ari McDonald who was not only the Pac-12 player of the year, but also the Pac-12 defensive player of the year in the guard position. I, I just think that when you hear Gino Ariema talk about Ari McDonald after they beat UConn by 10 mm-hmm. in the final four, that no one could guard her. Like we didn't have anybody who could stop her. And this is a man who, you know, he knows what championship basketball is all about. I mean, he won 11 championships. So I mean, he's seen a lot of basketball and he's done a lot of things to kids who have like just gone off 
on his team. And for him to say that, I thought was the utmost respect. I mean, he's coached Olympic level basketball as well to gold medal finishes. And I mean, he's seen the best of the best. So the fact that he is saying that, you know, nobody could stop her that night, you know, on the prime stage. Um, I think that it just, I think that just elevated her stock even more. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. already had her elevated, but I think with him kind of co-signing and confirming the fact that she is a bona fide baller uh, on both sides of the floor. I mean, I think that that just speaks volumes to, to what she has the potential to do in the WNBA. And, you know, Dana Evans, I mean, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not not sold on her in terms of what she's going to be able to bring. I mean, they both average about four assists oh, yeah. uh, during, during the tournament. So, I mean, she can make players around her better as well, but I don't know. There's just something about the fire and, and, the, and the grace at the same time, you know, um, that, that she brings to the court. You just can't really deny that. But I think all of the, all of the players in the draft, I mean, it, it obviously remains to be seen what that jump looks like yeah. for them and, and what they look like in, in the schemes and in the philosophies of the coaches that select them and the GMs who, who believe in what they can bring to their organization. And, you know, I'm interested in, um, I think this draft is, because last year, right, you know, we had one of the, the best draft classes ever, right? Like, we had yeah. Sabrina Nesky, Sati Sabri. Like, we have players that we saw and we're like, that player is going to be a star. That player is going to be a star. Like, we know mm -hmm. this. Um, in this draft, it kind of feels like, well, all of these players are, I think, are going to play in the league for a long time. I think they're going to be really good players. Right. But it's unclear which one of them is going to be a star. And you always have, you always have people that come up a little bit later, right? Like the Fisa yeah. Collier and, and Enrique Gumbawal, I think go in the top three of their draft, which is insane to think about, but right. um, look you look, yeah, you, you, and then they turn into stars. And I think we have potential here for some of these, these picks in the bottom half of the first round to turn yeah. into stars, especially when we're talking about, one of McDonald or Evans is going to go in this back half. Maybe Garantes falls down there. Maybe Davis falls down there, right? Like maybe Collier falls down there. So we have a lot of players here who I think have star potential. And so it's going to be, it's going to be one of those things where we look back and we're like, wait, how did this person go ahead of this person? And I have to come back to this podcast and say, Hey, I was agreeing with all these things. There you go. <laughs> um, so I wanted to get into another pressure point here of, mm -hmm. of the sign of, and so we have Griantes and Davis as the top two wings, um, which may not may again may or may not be true depending on who you ask. But then at six and seven, we had the Liberty take Michaela Onyemwede, who's a wing from UCLA, and then Dallas took Chelsea Dungy, a wing from Arkansas, much very close to my heart. Chelsea Dungy, I know. <laughs> um, I so to me, I just think Dungy would go ahead of Onyemwede for because I listen to Mike Tebow all the time mm -hmm. and Mike Tebow's thing is always like, I can take, I I'd rather have a very good offensive player that I know has like an elite skill on that side of the ball than someone who is more is perhaps better all around or perhaps does more defensively because I can teach, I can teach someone to play defense. You can't yeah. teach some things on offense. I think with Chelsea Dungy, you can't teach how well she gets to the free throw line. 
Sure. Yeah. Her free throw rate is the highest out of any draft prospect, 27.2%. There wow. is no one that draws more fouls than Chelsea Dungy. And there's no one that's going to annoy you more. If you, if WNBA fans, if you guys have not watched a lot of Arkansas play, she's going to annoy the hell out of you because she, <laughs> she has like that little, little bit of James Harden in her game, right? Where it's like, she draws this foul and you're like, there's no way they're actually going to call that. And they call it because she has the, the gift of foul drawing. And that's a huge deal. And I think, to me, that would push her above Onyemwede because I think Onyemwede also has to make a, a transition from more of a post player to a a perimeter player, and not you know she's yeah. been doing that this last season really well. I think she definitely has a chop sport. We've seen Alicia Clark do this. We've seen Sun Cash do this. Like she can yeah. she can do it, but to me, I take Dungey ahead of her just because I know she has that one really really elite skill. And, and I agree. I mean, Unwede, I, I love her game ever since she stepped foot at uh, UCLA. I just think mm-hmm. that um, y- you have to look at the ability, like you said, of Dungy as a scorer. And she is, she is very elite in terms of her shot selection, her footwork, and her body control. And whether that body control is to stay on balance with her shot or – her body control is to control her body into yours and create contact and, mm-hmm. and get to the line. I, I just think that there's a lot to be said for that as well. But I just think that with just her innate ability to find the proper plays to make, uh, I think that kind of stands out to me in, in the battle of, of these two players. And I, I love that. Um, I mean, I mean, she's, she's a six footer. So again, you know, we're talking about that size and skill set as well. Um, but I, I just, I like the fact that Onyemwede can board well. I like the fact that, you know, she gets the offensive glass like a monster. She has a, a great motor that way. <clears throat> but when you're talking about um, a player like um, Chelsea Dungy, I just think that, you know, she's, she's kind of, she's kind of built for the WNBA's physicality in that regard. And, and I kind of, I'm intrigued by that in her game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I I just, I I think that's such a, if you can provide me one elite skill that I know is going to be good. And also I may be a little distracted because I just realized that these jerseys are the jersey, the jerseys are on sale today. And this, this, you guys won't be hearing this because like it's already, it'll be out by the time these jerseys sell out. So I'm going to just really quickly order one of these Mystics jerseys before they sell out. Although I don't know which one I want, but I will be figuring that out I as it. I talk. I, as I talk, <laughs> I, I, will figure, it. As I will figure this out. Oh, do I want the Explorer? Do I want the Rebel? I, I want just the Explorer. retweeted it. <laughs> just no, retweeted no, it. don't tell people. Oh, don't tell bad. people. <laughs> no. God. Chris, you're okay. I'm getting, I'm getting a Natasha Cloud jersey. It comes with a, a Natasha Cloud bubble hook. I'm going to buy it for myself. Um, Love it. My birthday, my birthday's on uh, Saturday, so this is a gift for me. I love it. Well, happy early birthday, Gabe. Oh, see, that's from, a perfect gift. You gotta treat from, yourself sometimes. Treat from yourself. me to me. Love it. Uh, <laughs> I did complain about these jerseys, so now I feel bad about it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, draft draft people, the, the prospects. Um, no, I I just think Dungy to me, like first off. She is a killer. Like she has that killer instinct. Uh, yeah. I think she she's someone that can get you a shot at the end of the game if you don't have anyone else. And I think that's huge for a lot of teams. And I think her ability to get to the foul line is something that's elite and will yeah. translate 
to the next level because it, it's not like she does get some star calls, but really it's just like she knows how to draw those fouls. Um, yes. Anyanwede, just a little bit more of a of a prospect that you need to mm-hmm. you need to believe in in what she has. Um, but I think you know, I think to me, both those players are going to be really, really um, strong draft picks in the middle of this mm-hmm. first round. They went six and seven. Um, also, I'd be interested, and I just want to sneak this in. I don't think Jasmine Walker is going to fall past New York at six because mm-hmm. I think they she really fits what they want. She's another one of these wings who. Um, she just, she just shoots the ball so well. I mean, you, you look at her career percentages right. from three last two years, like 37.9% in 2019, almost 40% on seven point three uh three point attempts this year at Alabama. She's long, she's big. Uh I'm not I'm not gonna lie, I don't know a ton about her defensive abilities, but I've seen a lot of her offensive tape, and I just think it's I don't think I don't think New York's going to pass on her like she fits too well into what they're doing. So she actually may go ahead of Onyemwede and Dungey, which I think is going to surprise a lot of people just because we know so much about those two. Um, I, also, I agree with that. I agree with that. Go ahead. Doesn't it feel like Chelsea Dungey's like just like a, a Mike Tebow player? Like if, if, I, if I don't know if they're going to sneak into the first round, but she feels like Mike, gonna, a no, Mike Tebow yeah, type. Player. I mean. Absolutely. And I think, you know, very Alicia Clark, like, you know, in terms of uh, attitude and, um, and ability, I think, uh, and the versatility in that regard. Um, but, you know, going back to Jasmine Walker, I agree with that. And no, we haven't, you know, seen a ton of her in terms of her defensive package. But I think when you're talking about defense, you're also talking about rebounding. And she can board. Like she averaged almost 10 boards a game, right? Nine boards, something. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she could, you know, she gets her her nose in there and fights for possessions on the on the glass, and that's something you can't teach either, right? You're talking about, um, you know, what you said earlier about Mike Tebow, like, okay, bring that offense. We can teach you the other side, but the board part, I mean, that's that's a go get it attitude that you're either born with it or you're not. Like, if you want that ball, then you're gonna go after it with the with the high motor. And, and, and some tenacity, some little nastiness. Get in there and get that ball. And uh, she can do that nine, ten times a game. I credit her for that kind of effort. And those are defensive stops to me. And you know whether uh, you, you know we're talking about off-ball defense or on-the-ball defense, ability to be versatile and cross matches. I get it. But if you can board, you know those are possessions that you need to get wins. You know if you saw that in the in the. Yeah. Um, Final four. I mean, two one possession wins for Stanford. And a lot of that was one on the glass. You know, against South Carolina, they had all those, uh, you know, 24 second chance points against South Carolina. And then, you know, against Arizona, they boarded well. Arizona didn't shoot the ball well, but those possessions became uh, a big key to their victory by one point in that game. Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to board. You got to be able to board. And, and that's what uh, Jasmine Walker does. And that's what she did at Alabama. And you know, that doesn't change. That's something that's a transferable skill. <laughs> it is. Hustle. Hustle and will. Like that transfers to the next level. I don't care if it's middle to high, high to college, college to pro. Uh, if you can board the ball, you're going to be able to board the ball. Period. Uh, she went 10th to Los Angeles. And I just don't, I don't think she's getting past New York. I think New York really likes her. Um, I think they, it, she'll fit. She just fits what they need. They, they need a shooter. They need a rebounder. They need someone who has a high motor. Um, yeah. I think they'll, she, she, she'll fit in there, but we'll see. 
You never know. Okay, so now we've gone through five through eight. Uh, Evans to Dallas, Onion Wedded to New York, Dungy to Dallas, Chicago, and we're finally done with Dallas picks. Um, McDonald <laughs> to Chicago, and then we talked about Jasmine Walker, who went tenth to uh, LA. Minnesota had the ninth, has a ninth pick in this draft. Natasha Mack fell to Minnesota in this in this mock draft. Um, the center from Oklahoma State. Yeah, I I'm gonna go out on a limb. I think she's better than Charlie Collier. I think what she brings to the table is the she is the best rim protector in this draft. Agreed. And when you have, and again, I go back to you know my elite skill sets. What in the, in when I'm looking at prospects, I want to know what is the one thing you do that is elite. At six four, uh, uh, excuse me, Natasha Mack can pretty much block any shot. Her block rate, her block percentage this year, block rate, 11.2%. That's like one, that's 1% better than anybody else in this draft and way oh better than pretty much anyone else in the, it being mocked in the first round. Like her, she can block shots. She scores. She averaged, I think, 19 points per game this year. Um, yes. She, she gets bored. She just is that rim presence and you know exactly how she fits. And I think the WNBA would be making a huge mistake if we let this player fall to Cheryl Reeve in Minnesota because this happened with Collier. And guess what? Now Cheryl Reeve has another superstar. Natasha Mack may just be a defensive superstar in this league. And now you're going to let her go and play for Cheryl Reeve, learn under Sylvia Fowles, play with That's like coach, be coached by Rebecca Brunson. Like, no, as a lead, as someone in, <laughs> has someone before the ninth pick has to take. Uh, Natasha Mack, because I just think she she brings an elite skill set, um, yeah. and she may honestly. I, I'm you know what I'm going out on a limb. I'm going out on a limb. Rookie of the year, Natasha Mack. Wow, rookie wow. of the year. Wow, I love that, and I you know definitely capable. I mean, you're talking about her blocks. I mean, four blocks a game, four of them, four blocks a game. Like she is getting that thing out of there. She is long and lanky at six four. Definitely has that that ability to to get the stops. And we were talking about stops being boards as well. I mean, she was a double double machine at Oklahoma State. I mean, what was it 12, 12 boards a game, and yeah. and just under twenty points? Come on, man! Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if she received Rookie of the Year. I think that would be definitely the dark horse, a name that people are not talking about, but especially if she goes to Minnesota and especially yeah. if she has the tutelage and, you know, and the molding of Cheryl Reed, number one. But like you said, with Fowles and Brunson on the bench and Katie Smith over there, like on the bench, Planet Pearson, if I'm not mistaken, mm. right? Yeah, Planet also Pearson's is one of the coaches. Come on, man. That, it's just, it's just a, a combustible situation there. That, that do we, do, it's just like, do you want Minnesota to just like win four titles in like three years? Like, don't right. let this happen, people. Someone has right. to step up and take Natasha Mack. Exactly. No, I, I love her. I, you know, I, I think that, you know, she's that un, unsung hero, you know, when it comes to this draft. And, you know, we need to be talking about her more. And the fact that, you know, some of the players had had the opportunity to be on that grand stage in the NCAA tournament and, you know, get to the Final Four and have a lot, of, a lot more eyes, you know, to see what kind of skills you possess, you know, like an Ari McDonald, we talked about how she elevated her draft stock just by the, you know, the opportunity to be visible. 
and mm-hmm. to show her wares in that in that way. But you know, when you have uh, Natasha Mack who didn't get that opportunity uh, in that same manner, I mean, you know, now's her chance as a rookie to prove that. So it's interesting to see how that'll unwind as well. And obviously a lot of this is based on situation, like lots of time. I mean, just, (laughs) I think Natasha Mack has a lot of star potential. And if you're getting her at nine or 10, like you gotta be ecstatic as a, you know, as a coach or as a GM to get a player who has already something that I can say that's an elite skill set. I can put you on the floor right now and I know you can protect the rim. I don't have to question that. And you have this ability also to score. Um, And she is just like advanced stats. Absolutely love her. Like she has the highest PR uh, in, in this draft class, but Mm -hmm. outside of Chelsea Perry, UT Martin, who's a sleeper. I think someone's going to get a really, really good player late in the draft, but she has the highest uh, player efficiency rating, most win shares, most defensive win shares, one of the Mm -hmm. best defensive ratings in the league. So I mean, in this draft. So you're getting a player that you can just plug in and say, Hey, you do your one thing. And then we're going to develop the rest of you. Um, the rest of it. That's right. Especially if Sylvia fouls, like you can just tell still like, you will not have to play on back to backs. Like if you're comfortable with Natasha Mack, like you can tell, you can rest Sylvia fouls a lot more and get her ready for the playoffs. Um, exactly. That's, that's my thing with uh, Natasha Mack going to nine. Like don't let it happen. WNBA. Just don't let that happen. Um, <laughs> At the back end of the draft, we had Shyla Heal, uh, a guard from Australia, going to Seattle. Um, that was Richard Cohen's pick, and if you if you know Richard, if you've heard him, he is he is British, so he has a little bit a better handle on um, a lot of these uh, international players. And Heal played really well in the WNBL. She's 19 years old. I'm going to be honest, I don't know enough about her to say if that was a good pick or okay. not. Right. Yeah, right? Her, but her, his reasoning there was um, it'd be good actually to get a player who's going to be stashed overseas. And we've mm-hmm. seen Seattle do this um, with Kitchalaska Latska last year and uh, Ezzy Magbegor the year before, just getting a player yeah. who's going to stay overseas for one year and then come over. Uh, that's been right. really beneficial for them. So I think that could happen. Kiana Williams, though, going to Las Vegas, I found really interesting because, like, that is kind of exactly the player they need. Like, she can do a lot. She's more of a jack of all trades than sort of the right. players that we're talking about who are have one really, really elite skill. But she's yeah. a leader. Um, they need they need a, a backup point guard, depending on how you define Jackie Young. Depend like wh- wherever you see Jackie Young's position. Um, they could use someone like Keanu Williams who could also shoot. So what do you think of those two picks? I don't know how much, how much WNBL yeah. you've been watching. I, I have not. I'm going to be honest. I have not seen her play, um, but I respect um, Richard Cohen and his evaluation <laughs> of her. So I, I'll go with that. But I, I just think, like you said, like with the players that, um, that have been chosen before, I think it's, it's going to be, um, Intriguing. I think it, it, you know, the game has become so much more international in terms of, uh, of gameplay schemes um, on both sides. I, I just think that the, the spacing on offense has, has really morphed into being more of the international style of play. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, um, without seeing her play, I just think that 
that style of play fits well with what the WNBA looks like, feels like, um, especially on the offensive end. So I just think that that just affords her the opportunity to um, have that that seamless transition into the league in that regard. So it won't be something like, well, she hasn't, she hasn't played over here. She wasn't in a college system. Um, she's only been playing over there. So I just think that, you know, with, with understanding that, you know, as we all know um, that a lot of the WNBA players go right after the season and go overseas to play. Mm-hmm. So it's all becoming um, kind of meshed together in terms of what the style of play looks like, what the game looks like. So I, I think in that respect, it'll be an easy transition for her. And the other player you said? Keanu Williams. Oh, Keanu Williams. Yeah, I love Keanu Williams' game. Um, I love the fact that, you know, she was able to to win it at home. You know, she's from San Antonio. I just thought that was the cutest. And, um, and she's just a, a toughie, you know. And I, I love characterizing players as toughies. <laughs> because you know to me it's just a, it's an unbreakable quality uh, and that that mental toughness that that you can't teach um she just has such a high level of of competitive fire and leadership like you said too about her but i mean knowing you know obviously we've seen her play and compete so it just makes it a little easier to evaluate what those two look like so because i've seen her more i'm, I'm gonna lean yeah <laughs> i'm gonna lean her direction and and she's a champion and you know she won the championship and they had to go through the mud to get that you know two one possession wins in the final four i mean that wasn't easy and yes she was at home and had the creature comforts of her family's faces in the crowd there to watch that unfold but i just think that when you um when you've not only wanted it to happen but actually manifested it and mm-hmm. actually made it happen and lived it. I, I just have to, to, you know, look at the scale and, and lean it more towards William's side in that matchup. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the the thing that Richard was saying was like, it just makes sense for us as it, in terms of roster construction to take a player who's sure. not going to be here this year. Um, but mm-hmm. with Williams, I mean, I just really, I kind of hope that that's one that hope happens is like Keanu Williams going to Las Vegas. I think she just fits so well there because she can shoot the three she can defend guards. I think she would fit well next to any of their guards, whether it be Chelsea Gray or Kelsey Plum. She can fit with either of them. She can provide shooting. And she's a player that we've seen not have the ball in her hands and still affect the game. Yeah. In, in the tournament, Haley Jones took a, for Stanford took a much higher um, percentage of the possessions, and Cal Williams is still able to find ways to contribute offensively yeah. and defensively. And I think that's huge for a team that's as good and has as much aspirations as Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I think she would make a ton of sense there. Um, also yeah. because she's a champion. If you're trying to win a championship, I want a champion uh, and she right. just won one. So I think, I think she'd be a great fit there. So that's the entire first round from the, her hoops. That's mock draft. Um, right. Is there any other players here that you want to mention? I mean, I think we have to talk about the Carrington who has played her way into this conversation. Yeah, um, I was going to, yeah. So what, I I, she she has the best defensive rating in the draft um, mm. of any of any prospect in the draft. What do you like about her game? Oh, man. I mean, another toughie. I mean, this is a yeah. kid who doesn't back down from any challenge. Um, you know, she was such a, a defensive key piece 
you know, when it, when it came time to, to compete for Baylor, I mean, she got stops when they needed stops. Um, she is, I mean, I think her upside is incredible because of her defensive awareness and understanding of, of mm-hmm. schemes and angles, um, the way she plays gaps. I mean, she's just a great anticipator off the ball uh, um, on the defensive end. Um, but she also has the ability to score. I mean, she can get to the rim and finish. Um, she's tough on the glass. Excuse me, and a player who's, you know, five eleven, six foot, um, can guard multiple positions, as we were talking about, as as a, a key piece as well. When you're talking about translating that kind of skill set to the WNBA, I just think that she she has that energy too. I mean, she's a player you're not going to have to sit down and motivate like, hey, you know, you need to pick it up. You're never going to have to tell that kid to pick up mm-hmm. anything like. She's going to be a self-motivated kid. I mean, she's going to come in and and um, and give you all she has, and that's all you can ask of you know from players is to pour it all out there. And that's a kid who does that. And I mean, I think that she'll be a good fit wherever she goes. I mean, I think she'll be a, a good um, role player off the bench somewhere and come in. And you know, they're not going to lose anything terms of energy or mm-hmm. momentum, especially on the defensive end. Like she's going to come right in and, and provide the energy that's necessary to, to uh, maintain the lead or give the team a lead. Like she's not going to hurt you <laughs> when she comes in, there's going to be yeah. no fall off in terms of, of what she brings to the table. Yeah, no, I'm interested in her, especially as a, it depends, it depends on like what team we're talking about. Um, but right. as a, if she can come in and be, you know, sort of your, your bench guard, Oh, yeah, right. She's like she's ready to do that at a WNBA level right now, and she may she has a, just upside for more. But you know, if you can get someone who, hey, you're my backup point guard, and we're chilling with that, I think that's a great draft pick, especially if we're talking about the second round of the WNBA draft. And you know, there's a ton of there are too many. Like we mentioned at the top, there are too many good players in this draft for draft spots. Not only that, there are too many good players for the roster spots that are available. So we're going to see some players yeah. who are really, really good not get drafted. And we're going to see some players that are really, really good and not make teams. Um, and the thing is, you got to pay attention to all of these draft picks. Because yeah. I, I wrote a story on Alicia Clark. Alicia Clark was drafted in the second round. Yeah, She didn't make a team in her first two tries. She got cut from both those two teams. And now you look at her and you see a defensive player of the year candidate. You see a player who is consistently one of the best in the league. She was 17th overall pick. So you got to make sure you pay attention to all of the picks yeah. um, and, and try to learn as much about these players as possible because they're going to come up again, whether they make the team now or not. We're pretty sure all 12 of these players, though, are going to make teams. Although yeah. Dallas has like – Dallas has way too many <laughs> draft picks. But that's oh. neither here nor there. Um, the whole first round. <laughs> so we kind of talked a long time about the draft because it's on Thursday. Oh, we forgot to mention. Yeah, it's on Thursday um, on ESPN. <laughs> you guys should watch it. Um, yeah. But the schedule also came out. And I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on just this first weekend of games. The first mm-hmm. night is pretty huge. We had on Friday, February 14th, we have the Fever and Liberty, who I think this is like the third year in a row that the Fever and Liberty have opened the season, at least the second year in a row that the Fever and Liberty have opened the season against each other. In May? You said May? Did you say February? Oh, did I say February? I meant May. <laughs> I May was 14th. like, wait, we're going forward, right? <laughs> May, May 14th. It's been, it's been a, yeah, it's, it's time. <laughs> it's is, good. Time it's... makes no sense. 
We have the yes. Dream opening up their ne- their new stadium against the Sun. The Lynx against the Mercury, one of the great, best rivalries we have in this league. The Sparks yeah. and Wings in L.A. Why are they playing the L.A. Convention Center? Did I miss something? Why are they not playing? In- ah, in- I didn't. I did not see that. I did not know about that. Wow. I don't know why uh, they're not playing at Staples. I will. I will look Weird. that up. Um, but oh, it might be because there's a, like a Lakers game because Clippers, right, this, yeah. The NBA season's super weird because the NBA season also got moved back, um, so it's gonna be weird oh. for the Sparks. Actually, I didn't think about that. Yeah, um, yeah. But Clippers we have the too. Mystics, who have their own stadium. Luckily, yes. Um, playing the Sky on Saturday and the Aces and Storm in a championship rematch. Uh, I believe. Oh no, they're still in Everett, Washington. So Seattle, the new Seattle stadium has not opened up yet. That's a first weekend. Which one of those games are you most excited about? Oh, man. I Listen, I'm going with the Chicago-Washington game because <laughs> we get to be Candace there. Parker. No, I mean, well, you know, Candace Parker. Like, I just yeah. want to see what she looks like with Vandersloot and Quigley and all the pieces there. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, she's back home in Chicago you know, and then Della Dunn played her first several years in Chicago. There's so many like game within the game dynamics and Dolson used to play for the Mystics and mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I, you know, you have to, to look at the game within the game. But I just think, you know, the way the game has um, evolved, I mean, with the 12 teams, I mean, all those games are going to be excellent ones. And I think, you know, the fans, um, I know uh, Kathy Engelbert had a, a press conference yesterday and I was listening in on that. And she was just saying that not all the teams right now are, are clear to have fans in the building. Mm-hmm. I think she said it was eight or nine of the 12 teams right now have been cleared to have um, fans in the building. So I, I'm just so excited for the fans to have an opportunity to, um, to see the players that they missed last year with the, the teams in the bubble, wobble in Florida. Um, I, I'm just excited for all the games, but in particular um, being here in DC, I just I, I'm really intrigued with with all of the storylines in the Chicago Washington yeah. game. No, I agree, and it's always it's always actually a good game between the Sky and the Mystics. Um, yeah. Those two teams don't have quite like a rivalry, but they definitely have beef. Yeah. They have history. They have his, Excuse me. History, history is a good word. History. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I want to see that. That Fever Liberty game last year was really good. I think it's going to be good again this year, just because like it's the, those two teams just play good games. Um, but I think for me, the one that I'm most excited about is Mercury Lynx on Friday night because um, oh. I'm really excited to see what the Lynx look like with all of their new additions. Um, with Sylvia Fowles back and healthy, like yeah. I love watching that team. I love watching Cheryl Reeve coach. So I'm excited to see them. And then on the other side, we just get to see the the possibly the greatest player of all time in Diane Rossi. We get yeah. to see what I, I think Bria Hartley is going to be back for the beginning of the season. I haven't heard anything, yeah. but I'm assuming she's going to be back. Um, so we get to see Bria Hartley back. We get to see Sky Dingus Smith. Uh, we get to see the the Mercury also with Kia Nurse. They, it, like they rounded out their team a little bit better. So that's the matchup to me that I'm most excited about, just to see the new look teams there. Um, but every single one of these games is awesome, and I'm excited this year that we get to see the teams in their home stadiums. And like we're not playing this breakneck schedule where it's like, oh, there's you know three games a night, and every night like you have no breaks. There's no time. To relax there's never a night with just one game um because right. that like that that took a lot of energy last year so this year is yeah. going to be a little bit 
more uh, like a normal season. And that's nice to just feel normal again. And absolutely. Ho- hopefully we get to be back in the stadium. I mean, well, you, I, you'll be I, there. Yeah, I'll be there. I'm so excited um, about the, the opportunity to broadcast once again for the mystics this year. And, you know, the protocols haven't come out. I mean, I'm fully vaccinated and everything like that, but still, I mean, I, I don't know what the media protocol will look like uh, for the mystics this year, but super excited to be back um, in the booth in ESA. Hopefully we'll be in ESA. I don't even know if that's going to be um, how we're doing it. So um I just know I'm back and that's, that's all I need to know. Like, it's almost like you, you're getting married soon. Right, Gabe? So yes, I am. <laughs> it's like, just show it. Just let me know what time to be there. <laughs> that's kind of how I am right now with, with that uh, whole notion, but super thrilled um, and honored and, um, you know, just super excited about the opportunity to, to see the team play, to see the team again, to see coach mm-hmm. Tebow, Eric Tebow, all the coaches and, you know, to see them face to face, you know, I just, you know, the zooms are great. And that has, has kept us in, in contact and, you know, it's semi face to face, but I want to see people, man. I want to hear the shoes squeaking. I want to hear the game as well as see it. And um, I I just can't tell you how excited I am. You know me, I'm just going to be like through the, through the roof with, uh, (laughs) with intensity watching, watching these players play a game at such an elite level. No, I'm dying to get back in the arena. Although I, my many messages to my many emails to Kathy Engelbert to uh, schedule some, something around my wedding on September 5th fell on deaf ears, <laughs> deaf ears because the Lynx and the, and the mystics play at 8 PM the night before I get married. Uh, so I'll be busy then. And then on my, on uh, September 5th, the day I'm getting married, we have aces sky. The heck well, man, I can't time? watch that. What it's time? time. Oh, yeah. No, you can't. Be, I mean, they trouble. all may have some time. But it's just like, a, you know, we're going to be busy. I'll be running around. I, I sent her emails. I sent her tweets. I tried to get her to, you know, give me a break, but it didn't, it didn't work out. So uh, I will be on that day. People are just going to have to text me things. Actually, don't text yeah. me. Just, 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 I know, just no one tell me. <laughs> just no one hey. tell me what's happened. I'll watch it later. Okay. Save it. DVR it. Hey, happy wife, happy life. Just remember that you're getting married and everything. Uh, You know, just make sure you don't text Gabe on his wedding day about the WNBA gigs going on. I know it'll be hard for you. You can text, you can text Emily, my fiance. She, she will let me know what I need to know, um, which is exactly nothing. Um, But also, yeah, we're, I'm excited for the season. Y'all can follow me uh, at Gabe underscore Ibrahim on Twitter at ball in order on TikTok, and make sure you follow at her hoop stats on Twitter because we'll be doing a lot of stuff there graphics, videos, whatever I can do between like now and the draft, I'm going to be doing. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And also, like, I want to try one thing. And if anyone wants to help me out, I'm going to call out for help. I want to figure out what the road trip is I can take this year to go to as many WNBA games as possible in like oh. a four or five day stretch. Starting okay. in DC. So if someone wants to help me out with that, I'm going to do my own independent research. But I'm going to try <laughs> to see how many games I can go to. And like, I'll have to, I have to do something media wise because they won't let me in as a fan. So I need to figure that out. But if anybody wants to help me, let me know. I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll take a look at it and see if I can Road plan trip. out something for you. Road trip. <laughs> That'll be awesome. But you know, I, I can't wait for this draft. 
And I can't wait to uh, dissect it again next week uh, with you to see how, how correct we were with mm-hmm. our with our choices and our comparisons of players, especially in that first round. But good luck to all the magnificent young ladies who have put in the time and effort and all of the GMs and coaches who have some really tough choices to make. And shout out to all the current players in the WNBA who are on rosters who are going to be in training camp beginning on the 25th, I believe, of April. So super excited for the game overall and super excited to talk about it once again with you, my friend. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, W Scott 51. And I have a lot of uh, interesting things that I'll be talking about on there. All hoops involved pretty much, uh, except for a little bit of family things on my Instagram. But for the most part, (laughs) uh, all hoops all the time. And I just love it. And thank you guys for joining us once again on Courtside with Christy and Gabe. I'm going to go ahead and finish up my cranberry juice and get this popcorn ready for the draft coming up on Thursday night. Peace. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.